1: Dose of Leadership podcast, episode 249.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson.
1: Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to Dose of Leadership. I am Richard Ryerson, and so thrilled that you're tuning into the show. If you're brand new to the show, it's a show all about leadership. We talk to top thought leaders. Sometimes I do solo episodes, but everything we do is centered around How to become a more influential leader, learning from others, talking about it, discussing about it, hopefully taking actionable, intentional steps to improve your leadership journey. That's the purpose of this show to learn how to become intentional in every aspect of your life, every aspect of your life, to start to add value to everyone and everything. It's focusing those thoughts on intentional or an intentionality of adding value. It's as simple as that. Easy to understand, difficult to put into play because we're bombarded with shiny objects, with temptations, with laziness, with fear, with doubt, all those things. It's a daily struggle. It's a daily grind. It's a daily battle. But that's what we're here for, to help you, a free resource to help you along your leadership journey. And I thank you so much for tuning into the show. i got a great guest today, Deanne Turner. Works for Chick Fil A. She has for more than thirty years, and I'm so excited to finally talk to somebody about Chick with Chick Fil A. I love their business model. I love their food, but I love their business model, their leadership model. I really do appreciate it. Now, before I get in to talk to Deanne, let me just—I need your help. Um, I've just launched a whole new product offering. I'm working with two organizations right now where I create an internal podcast, an internal audio show for organizations, and it all came about by a listener in the show gave me this idea. And it's all about creating an internal audio show, a way to authentically engage and connect with your organization, and an economical way, too. You know, this show, I found out by interviewing guests, is the best medium, the most perfect medium to extract authenticity, to extract transparency. And not only that, through this audio medium, through the podcast delivered to, um apps onto the phone people can now engage and listen most of you listen to me when you're working out when you're driving when you're doing work chores around the house that's what's so great about this medium and i thought what if you could replicate that in an organization in other words create an internal show because effective communication is so stinking hard you know we've got websites we got newsletters we got social media all that stuff we're bombarded but what if an organization could authentically connect because a website, a newsletter, the magazines, the email blasts, all that stuff are sterile and impersonal. What if you could authentically connect? And that's what I'm offering. I go into organizations and through a customized mobile app deliver authentic and transparent content where we talk to the CEO, top the leadership, top thought leaders. We talk to employees; they're knocking it out of the park. They're high performers. We talk to the customers. We talk to uh, we do training. We do Um, policies and procedures brand standards recognizing high performers communicating the vision and the mission all through an uh, uh, authentic and transparent branded mobile application and i'm steering the ship you know i love conducting these interviews it's my favorite thing to do and so i'm offering that service to organizations as well so i need your help i need to get in touch with ceos I need to get in touch with the communication experts of organizations and talk to them about how I can help drive employee engagement, drive um, authenticity and transparency. Because it, for me, if a, if an employee or a key stakeholder in an organization feels like they're part of something unique and special, then they're going to stick around and great things are going to happen. So I need your help. CEOs, communication specialists, you can find out more at RichardRyerson.com. Click on the communication solutions a menu item, or you can contact me at doseofleadership.com too, and I'd be more than happy. Thank you for hearing me out on that. All right, Deanne Turner. She's worked for Chick-fil-A for more than 30 years. She currently serves as vice president of corporate talent. Over the years, she's played a, a really intricate role in growing Chick-fil-A's unique uh, culture. It's highly regarded. I love their culture. Overseeing recruitment, selection, And the retention of the corporate staff I mean she's been there for a long time She understands leadership She's got insightful knowledge um, About how to build incredible and influential company cultures And we talk about culture a lot in this conversation She's got a book coming out called It's My Pleasure The Impact of Extraordinary Talent And a Compelling Culture And you're just absolutely going to love this conversation I was so thrilled to finally get someone from Chick-fil-A On this show and so if you're interested in culture, you're interested in making an impact, you're really going to love this conversation with Deanne Turner from Chick-fil-A. Well, Deanne, I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership.
0: Thank you so much, Richard. It really is my pleasure to be with you.
1: Well, I've been excited for a long time, three years. When I started the show, I in the back of my mind, I always wanted to talk to someone from Chick-fil-A about... Your leadership culture. It's something I've been a fan of for years. And when I, you know, set out the show, I wrote a little bucket list of people I really yes. want to talk to in organizations and Chick-fil-A was right at the top. So thank you, Deanne, for coming on the show. First Chick-fil-A representative I've had on the show.
0: That's great. Well, we're, we're really honored that you think that much of us, Richard. So thank you.
1: Yeah, I've been a fan, not only of the food, but again, primarily the culture. And, and you are, if I can Coined the phrase "a culture queen" when it comes to um, about leadership and understanding. It is all about the culture, right? I mean, that's really kind of your passion.
0: Well, it certainly is my passion, and and it came from our founder, Truett Cathy. He was my mentor in that in in that regard, and is really the one who, um, you know, was the architect of Chick Fil A's sure. culture. Why do you think
1: you know? Thirty years you've been with them, right? That's correct. Huh? Have you always believed, I mean, I guess kind of being immersed in it, if you can look back, though, prior to even starting with them, did you fully understand how important people were and culture was to an organization towards its success?
0: Well, I was very young. So, Richard, honestly, (laughs) I didn't know much about anything when I came to work at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. And I received tremendous on-the-job training. Um, I had had one experience prior to Chick-fil-A that I like to describe it, that my Worst day at Chick-fil-A is still better than my best day at that company <laughs> oh, wow! the culture was so poor. So I knew exactly what I didn't want.
1: Yeah.
0: When I went to Chick-fil-A as part of the interviewing process, which for me was very lengthy, um, it was over a series of months. I um, was a very much, that's what I was attracted to. Did I know all the terminology and, of course, have any idea how the foundation for all that was laid and all the connections? no. Uh, but the result of it was very attractive and was certainly what reeled me into Chick-fil-A.
1: So what prompted you to to finally write the book now? Why now?
0: There were several things that were going on, but probably the most significant is that in my life, I lost the two greatest leadership mentors to me. Uh, my father passed away in August of 2013. And shortly thereafter, uh, Truett began um, to be away from the business. He was ninety. Two at the time he became ill and uh, he wasn't around very much. And it was kind of obvious where things were headed. And so to start with, I was in a period of grief yeah. uh, and in a period of transition. But as we, um, I was remembering back to those last times I spent with Truett. And interestingly, um the, right before he left the business, I would go over to his office to talk to him about something. And He would look at me and he would say, now, Deanne, remember, people decisions are the most important decisions we make. And I'd go back the next month to talk about something else, and and Truett would say the same thing to me again. And at first I thought, well, he's 91 years old. He doesn't remember he told me that. Um, But what I came to realize about the fourth time was that Truett was being so intentional, not just with me, but with a number of leaders about things that he thought was important in the business to make sure we didn't forget. So all that's to say is I wrote the book for two reasons. One is so those of us who knew and learned from Truett would not forget, and those who never knew him and would come after him would know about what he thought was most important to the foundational success of Chick-fil-A.
1: That's great. I love you know carrying on the torch or, or making sure that those kind of common sense ideals that have been around since the dawn of man... Don't get lost in the shuffle. It, it's amazing to me that when you you listen, look at a man like Truett, or you look at which leads to the culture and, and the um, the way Chick fil A runs its business. It to me, it just is so reeks of common sense. It's amazing to me that it, that more organizations don't tackle it. Why do you think that is?
0: Well, it does take time, and once you've gone down a path that things are a little messy, you know, it's really hard to correct. A poor culture um, it's much easier to strengthen a good one than it is to correct things that have have gone awry um, so I think that that's why the first thing is that they don't some organizations just don't start well and it's really hard to back up and start over. Yeah. The other reason I think and and I find this a lot um, sometimes people say I can't believe you tell people how you do it at chick-fil-A. Well, the truth of the matter is I don't find many people who are willing to invest the time and the money that it takes to do things well on the front end. But Truett had this belief. Um, He believed that if you invested the time and money on the front end to make a great selection, then you didn't have to make very many changes later on. Right. It saved you a lot of money and time. And so I think an organization just has to stop and say, do I want to invest this on the front end and get it Right. And even though it seems like it takes a lot longer and it costs a lot of money, it's not nearly what the cost of turnover is. Yeah, And when people really. stay with you and they buy into your purpose and mission and core values and guiding principles, um, then to you know at least we found at Chick-fil-A we felt like that's what helped make us successful was that high retention rate over time of our, our leaders and our staff.
1: So it's hiring slow, firing fast. But if you hire slow and you hire the right person – um, the firing fast doesn't have to happen as often as, as what we're typically accustomed to or, or kind of settled with, or what we kind of, in most organizations, we think that is the norm, right? But, uh, t- that, is that what you mean on the front end is taking that time investing and making sure that you find the right people?
0: Yeah. And it's two parts to that. One is making sure we find the right people, the person with the best skills, capabilities and, and fit to what we're looking for. But secondly, we want to make sure that that candidate knows exactly what they're getting mm-hmm. into—the yeah. role, yeah. the organization, the culture—and that we give them enough time and enough access to examine us, so they too can make a long-term decision. And and that's as much that's as important as us making the right decision if we're going to have a long-term relationship.
1: Making sure that the expectations are clear, making sure that so that number one, we find the right person, we put them in the right positioned in the company so everybody knows what mm-hmm. to expect and, and they're in the right seat and the right the right person on the on the bus and they're in the right seat on the bus first and foremost
0: sure had an interesting philosophy richard that um when we selected people he expected that you know that we made that we took uh great care and time in fact he had a poster in his office that said no goal is too high if we climb with care and confidence. And he applied that to just about everything he did, but especially around people selection. And if we did make a mistake and we came to him to make a change, Truett would look right back at you and say, you selected that person. What have you done to help them be successful? Right, And then he would say, go try again. And so he would expect that once we made that kind of commitment, that we would exhaust every possible um, solution before we actually had to terminate a relationship.
1: What do you look for in somebody? If someone's coming to work for Chick-fil-A, what is the number one primary characteristic you're looking for?
0: Well, whether this person is going to be a Chick-fil-A operator, and we use that term interchangeably with franchisee or a Chick-fil-A staff member at our support center. Um, the number one thing we're looking for is a heart to serve. Mm -hmm. Um, we are, Truett like to say, we're not in the chicken business. We're in the people business, Right. and people are who we serve. And so that's incredibly important to have a heart for service. If they're working at the support center, obviously, um, that's our job is to serve those that are actually serving guests. Uh, a former president used to say, if you're not serving chicken, you better be serving someone who is. And that's <laughs> the job of somebody at the support center. Then it's quite obvious that an operator's role is to um lead a team of people that serve guests and to engage with their guests and serve them. And so that's the first thing we're looking for. The second thing we're looking for um, is a successful track record. And um, so some people may come to us it's their very first job um, out of college, like at our support center, or maybe they're going to work for a Chick-fil-A operator in a restaurant and it's their very first job. Um, But they've done something in their life they've been accountable, whether they've been a student or they've been a member of some kind of team or in the band or a volunteer in an organization. They've been accountable somewhere along the way and have the opportunity to develop um, some type of track record. So, as Peter Drucker said, past performance is the best predictor of future performance. So we look for that successful track record. And then we really do look for people with leadership ability and characteristics um, we look at every opportunity we have as a future leadership opportunity. 65% of our Chick-fil-A operators were one-time Chick-fil-A team members, mm. and about 30% of our support center staff were one-time team members. And so um, because we grow a lot from within, uh, we're looking at every potential hire as a potential leader someday, even if it's not a leadership role at that time. I love that.
1: You know, I always, I was a, I'm a big fan of when you hire somebody. And I would always like to tell people, hey, I want you, and I, I'd go with the mindset, I want to hire somebody that can do my job better than me. I want somebody that can take my job. Mm. And a lot of that comes from the Marine Corps with the one bullet away theory, right? If someone is like, I'm going to mm. do everything I can to teach this person to chain my, take my job. I mean, there's so much benefits that can come from that. I, it drives me crazy when I see people kind of hoard their skill set thing and they're being protective of their position. Chick-fil-A seems like an organization. Like you said, you, if, if you brought me in, there's a roadmap of what I could potentially be. The rest is really up to me. And of course, opportunities as they present themselves. But uh, is that true? Do you guys kind of, you like to lay out a roadmap to what potentially could be for uh, uh, an operator?
0: We, we have uh, now operators, um, they really define their own future because the sky's the limit with them. They can, they can grow their business. As a uh, support center staff member, um, we used to not be very good about laying out a path, as a matter of fact. Um, people would jokingly say, you know, that the corporate ladder's in a closet and we're here mm-hmm. to serve and we, all that stuff will work its, itself out. But as we've gotten larger and as we've hired, you know, a whole new generation um, that expects a little bit more of that, we've adjusted. Um, to be a little bit more clear about career paths. There's some organizations that are probably more clear than we are, but we, we try to be clear of what it looks like for the future. But the one thing we do for everyone is we invest in development. And so every single staff member at Chick-fil-A Incorporated has a development plan budget each year, and they're expected to use it. And operators are able to take that right of their, their um Restaurant expenses to do development as well. So there's a budget for that. It's expected to be used. So that's a big focus we have um, around that. I think the other um, other principle that comes to mind that comes out of the book. Um, it's my pleasure. It is the um, it, I talk about abundancy mentality versus scarcity oh, I love mentality, that. and you just touched on that when you said you know people who hoard their skills. At Chick Fil A, we really try to get people to have um, the perspective and abundancy mentality. Is that there's enough for everybody? Yes. We don't. We don't have to be worried that something's somebody's going to get something, and therefore we won't have it. There's there's truly enough opportunity in a growing organization for everyone, and so we're trying to leverage all the talent that's available to us, and we encourage everyone to leverage the opportunities available to them.
1: I love that. I love the. I, the abundance mentality versus scarcity. I love that. I love that language. Uh, I love what that denotes and means. Uh, We, you, we probably should point back, I would imagine, and you talk about this in your book, it's my pleasure that I think they even have this in place. Probably one of the first things an organization has to do or even from an individual level, we talk about it in leadership is understanding why we even exist. I mean, what's our purpose. Would you agree with that?
0: Absolutely. And um, now I'll tell you what's interesting about our corporate purpose that was eventually, um, that came about. I'll, t- I'll tell you a little bit about the story about that, how that happened. We didn't start out that way. Truett actually incorporated Chick-fil-A in 1964. Uh, his first restaurant was opened in 1946. And then he incorporated in 64 and the first Chick-fil-A restaurant opened in 1967. So it was not until 1983 that what's now become a well-known corporate purpose actually came into being. And the reason it happened is because Chick-fil-A was in its um, first ever little bit of a sales slump.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We had um, built a new corporate headquarters and um, heavily in debt for that. And so um, Truett was, he was um, understandably concerned and he took his executive committee away on a retreat. And when they came back, they didn't come back with a new sales contest to boost sales They didn't come back with a cost reduction plan or a reduction in force idea. They came back um, with a corporate purpose of why we were in business at all. And it really had two tenets to it. One was to be a good steward of everything that had been entrusted to us. And the second was to be a positive influence on all that came in contact with Chick-fil-A. And so some interesting results have happened since 1983 when Truett put a stake in the ground about why we were in business. Um, We've had sales increases, significant sales increases every year since. Um, We became debt-free in 2012. We have an operator retention rate of about 95% over this entire history. We have a staff retention rate averaging about 96% um, over this history. So it, it certainly focused everybody... In onto the whole idea of what Truitt said, we're not in the chicken business. We're in the people business. We're about impacting the lives of people. And you know, people can rally around a greater vision that's bigger than themselves. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what happened in Chick Fil A's culture at that time.
1: You know, it is so true, and, you know, and it goes back not even just to organizations, but even individually. When you when you sit there and you can finally put something of substance in, in uh, a solid footing that you can always point back to because when you have that like you said when that that simplicity and how it sounded it didn't, it didn't i'm sure it wasn't that easy to get to that <laughs> point you know why you exist, but the simplicity that you stated it for why chick-fil-A's what, what its purpose is, every decision that comes across every gray area every you know new shiny object that comes away or newfangled toy or menu item or whatever that you can bounce it off of that and that gives you some sort of clarity and some sort of direction i think and it and it speaks to the volume of what we're called to do as human beings right if you have that solid core um kind of value that foundation that you can always bounce things off of it it certainly makes things more impactful or significant doesn't it
0: yes absolutely
1: yeah I love that. It's it, it, but the intentionality and the work that goes into that—that's the challenging. How do we do that? Especially when we're in a, uh, say, we're in a culture that is upside down. It's backwards, and and a lot of you know people that listen to the show where were and I've certainly been there many times in my corporate career where I've been in the middle, and I was maybe in a culture that didn't jive right, or the leadership didn't seem to be getting it. What can we do? What, what suggestions would you have for someone like that that's stuck in the middle?
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's easy for me to say because I've spent 30 years at Chick-fil-A and I haven't been in that situation. (laughs) Um, I spent a little bit of time at another company um, that was the antithesis of Chick-fil-A right before I came there. And um, it was enough to know I never wanted to be in that situation again. Um, The only thing I can say is, you know, we have to start with ourselves. Yeah. And so as leaders, when we're in those situations, And, you know, even in the best of cultures, sometimes you have those situations where you just have to start where you are and um, you have to make um, a decision about the team you lead and help them by casting a vision and creating a purpose for why they exist. And, you know, bringing them together for a, a mission that they can rally around and creating core values for a team and guiding principles about how work's going to get done. And then use that to influence others in the organization. And I've seen that. And I'm sure you have, too, in yeah. organizations you've worked with where a leader will step forward and say, you know, this isn't the greatest of circumstances. But some of these things are not in my control. But this is what's in my control. My team is within my control. And I have to take that on. Um, that's my. That's really my first opportunity to influence the whole organization is to move my team in the right direction.
1: Yeah, it's it's leading from where you're at. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of times it's really easy to kind of complain and moan about our situation. And if they just got it above us, then we'd be okay. But that doesn't assuage you from your kind of accountability or responsibility to lead from where you're at, is what I'm hearing you say. And we can be, we, we're more influential than we give ourselves credit for. And I think a lot of times, if we do have that that kind of dysfunctional leader above us, we have a lot of, um, potential and ability and influence to to change them and make them look good too, indirectly by shining the light on our own example. We give people the freedom to do the same around us. Right? It's kind of that that philosophy. And I think that yeah. um, I'm certainly guilty of that. It was it's easy to complain about it, but if you can focus on yourself, like you said, and uh, wow, lead from your at, we, we'll, we'll be surprised at the influence that we can have on the on organization. Yeah.
0: And growing in self-leadership. I mean, one of the things that I appreciate so much about Truett Cathy, um, Truett was not, I mean, he was a man, especially later in his career, he did speak and, and, and that kind of thing. But it was how he lived. It yeah. was his walk, not his talk. Right. It was so influential. Um, it, you know, His original Dwarf House restaurant in Atlanta, uh, people would come in there. I mean, Truett would be there serving them. And he knew that people came there, not just for a 15 cent cup of coffee, but they came there because people knew their name, their order, their story. And he set that example and he walked the walk of our core values of excellence and integrity and generosity and loyalty. And um, he, he didn't have to say very much because he lived it. And I think that's our opportunity as leaders when we're in good situations or bad situations, is to lead from our core of who we are, and then we have the best opportunity to influence those around us.
1: Well said. And it's a lifelong journey. Like we were talking about that before the recording, right? It never stops. It's just this lifelong journey of intentionality and and um, having that humble, teachable spirit, I think, is 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 at the core of
0: that. Sure. If we're, if we're still breathing, we have a purpose for being here. <laughs> All right. And uh, we need to take advantage of that every day. What does it mean...
1: Um, if you're in the hiring process and you're looking for people who have kind of a servant mentality or, or a, a passion for service or a heart for service, what does that mean to be a servant leader to you? That word get or that phrase gets bandied around a lot. What does it mean to you?
0: Um, for me, the bottom line is, is willingness to put others above yourself. And, you know, I, I speak sometimes best in stories and examples that I see. And I was actually sharing this was with someone today who had asked about this and, um, actually it was another organization, um, explaining to me that some of their employees weren't very happy because the executive team was, uh, they had a parking problem and they had some of the employees parking away from the, um, lo- the building. And so, but the executive team had reserved spaces up front and they asked me if I thought that was a problem. <laughs> and I said. Yeah, I can understand why they don't like that very much <laughs> right, exactly. because, um, in my organization, the higher up you are in the organization in terms of your ch- title, the more you're expected to serve. And my favorite example of this is a man that I, I worked for for about 15 years, and he led, um, he has led operations at Chick fil A, and he was a team member, and he learned servant leadership from the operator that he worked for. and. When um, Chick-fil-A goes and uh, sponsors the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl every year, one of the things that happens there is that Chick-fil-A sandwiches are served. And, you know, you can imagine thousands and thousands and thousands of sandwiches being cooked and served. And it's a huge team effort. And I'll never forget watching my leader. um, He didn't sit up in a box seat where a lot of executives would sit in organizations uh, who have that opportunity of sponsorship. He was down in the trenches with his team, cooking sandwiches and serving them in the stands. And that's the most powerful example I can think of of what servant leadership is. It's getting in there with your team um, when times are tough, working with them, um, doing, the th- doing things sometimes that no one else wants to do, but really setting the example um, by what we do every day.
1: You know, and it's so simple too, just to have that kind of awareness. I think a lot of times what surprises me when I see people in in leadership positions and and it's sometimes it's not through um, bad intentions, but it's more of a lack of kind of situational awareness or self awareness mm-hmm. of how you're being perceived that whole idea, especially when the spotlight gets bigger and brighter as you get up higher in in your accountability realm, um, understanding and, and realizing that perception is reality, and having that self awareness of how you're being perceived at every moment is so critical. But it's also one of your greatest um, advantages because you can do those simple things of, you know, not having the parking spot up front or, you know, refusing to eat or not getting special treatment, you know, eating last. You know, the Marine Corps called it, you know, leaders eat last, right? If you're you're out in the field and it's time to eat, the most junior person eats first, the most senior eats last. If you run out of food, it's it's the senior person that runs out of food. And that's so simple, but it's so powerful.
0: Well, I mean, don't you, I mean, doesn't it inspire you to follow people Absolutely. like that? <laughs> and followership is really the key to leadership. So yeah. if you don't have any followers, you really can't be a leader.
1: Well, it's the simple things of, you know, the first to show up, last to leave, all those type of little things. Um, And even, you know, I've, I've certainly been guilty. The, the, the whole idea of perception is reality is, is so it's an unfortunate reality of leadership, but if you understand it, um, you'll be better off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's next? I mean, What's next for Chick-fil-A? What are you excited about? I mean, obviously, we lost Truett here not too long ago, and, and the company's still in serious growth mode. What are you excited about with Chick-fil-A?
0: Well, I'm really excited about – I mean, Dan's brought um, his leadership now. Truett's oldest son, Dan Kathy, um, is now our CEO. And um, Dan is really focused on innovation, and he recognizes um, to continue to grow you've got to understand what's important to guests. And so we're very much focused on that. We're focused on new markets. So we just opened in Manhattan on October the 3rd. Oh, cool. um, we're growing there. Still, as of today, I saw a picture. We have lines down the block at 2.15 in the afternoon, um, which is amazing. Um, it's just New York has really embraced Chick-fil-A and been very excited. And of course, we opened not long ago out in the Pacific Northwest. And so we're continuing our expansion there. And um, so going into new markets and and that emerging growth is exciting for Chick-fil-A. And being innovative on um, meeting customer um, needs and and desires, both in our service model and in our food, Um, we have our eye out on the future. So be looking in the new year for some exciting things from Chick-fil-A. not at liberty to talk about that, but I can, <laughs> um, t- I can look forward to it. <laughs> well, I'm
1: looking forward to it. I think, you know, every experience I've had going into Chick fil A is, um, it's just customer service is a pet peeve of mine. I mean, the simple things. I was at a, um, I was traveling to Montreal about a month ago and I was waiting late at night, midnight, waiting for my rental car and looking behind the counter and there were five people. There were just two people in line and there were five people behind the counter who were just employees talking and they weren't helping the two of us. And that just, it's so simple that drives me crazy. But every time I go into a Chick-fil-A, the service is just above and beyond par. And I think it goes in line with your kind of making the experience, or at least the culture in a way of making each experience kind of memorable. Not that it's been memorable, but I mean, even the simple things of, of the tray being brought out to me if the food wasn't ready or, the smile, the simple, the, 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 how fast it was, how courteous it was. Why, why is that such a challenge for service industries to have excellent customer service?
0: Well, you know, and, and I appreciate your compliments. We don't always, I'm sure that at Chick-fil-A, we don't always get it perfectly, but I do think that we have some amazing operators that have done a fantastic job in employee selection and training and development and they really, they're hands-on leaders that invest in their teams. And I i, I like to say they're the hero of this whole thing. Um, without them, I mean, that's what everything revolves around is the operators that um, run the restaurant. So what's amazing, I was telling somebody just the other day, our service model, you know, it started out, we're not a prescriptive organization. We don't dictate a lot of things. True was never one to dictate about how things should be done. He felt like if you selected the right person um, to run the restaurant, to be the operator, that they in turn would make the right decisions. Yeah, I love it. And that they didn't need a lot of supervision. They didn't need a lot of prescriptive rules. So his philosophy was to shy away from that. And what's wonderful about our service model is that you can have such consistent experiences and yet we have about 1,400 franch- different franchisees providing those experiences. Um, and so I'm amazed that you can have the same experience in Washington, D.C. and then go and have a very consistent experience in Southern California, too, um, because of what these operators do. But they put their own spin on their service. And so there's some, there's some things you're going to see all the time. We could talk about the origination of It's My Pleasure you should expect that that's going to happen every time you go into a Chick-fil-A restaurant. But it, at one restaurant, it might be that um, it, the own signature s- um, service or experience that an operator offers is a little different because um, their personality is a little different. And um, they do things to um, surprise and delight guests you know, in Seattle, and they might be doing something different in Wichita, Kansas. Right. Uh, But they all have their special spin on it. But it started because they had a heart for service and a heart for people. And then they, in turn, select team members that have that same heart. Right. And um, I'll just go right into telling you the origination on It's My Pleasure um, quickly. Um, We borrowed that um, very transparently from Horst Schultze at the Ritz-Carlton. Truett had spent time with Horst. He loved his philosophy of ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, and that he had this signature language that went with it, that when a guest said thank you, that um, the employees of the Ritz-Carlton would say, it's my pleasure. And so uh, Truett caught on to that, and he thought, wouldn't that be an interesting service experience in a quick service restaurant? Um Still a, a industry largely staffed by teenagers, but if you came in, instead of getting um, uh-huh or no problem, which he particularly disliked, uh, you, instead when when you said thank you, that the employee would say, it's my pleasure. Oh, and Lord. so the first year, he came to our annual seminar, and again, he wasn't very prescriptive, but he asked all the operators, he said, would you please have your team members respond to a thank you with it's my pleasure Well, to make a long story short, he did this for 10 years. He came to the annual seminar and he asked for this. And believe it or not, it it had not really caught on. And so that 10th year, he said, I'm really serious about this. I would like for you to do this. And after that time, it really took took up with both the staff and the operators. And the operators taught their team members. But they didn't just teach them the language. They taught them the behaviors and the spirit that's behind it's right. my pleasure. And so it's not just something that they're taught to say, but it's really an attitude that they understand it's part of working at Chick-fil-A for it to be your pleasure to serve the guest.
1: I love that. And the, the takeaway that I get from that story is, again, the intentionality behind the leadership of understanding the, the why we're doing what we're doing and never giving up. It's like turning – a big ship it takes a long time but it's the intentionality that's what i keep going back to or like what i keep hearing that you can never give up on and if it's rooted into the big compelling purpose and the why you you exist and what you're in business to do then things start to take root yes
0: exactly yeah who are your heroes whose shoulders are you standing on right now oh i have so many um you know um and so me at Chick-fil-A, I mean, obviously, Truett was a hero to me. Um, Jimmy Collins, who was our former president and COO, um, taught a lot of uh, examples. He taught me excellence. And um, one of the things that Jimmy did that I'll never forget talking about being a servant leader was that um, he used to stop his car every morning getting off the exit ramp to our corporate office and pick up the trash That was the responsibility of the local municipality, but they didn't keep it clean. And Jimmy wanted every guest that came to our corporate office to have a remarkable experience from the moment that they got off the highway. And so finally, I guess our maintenance staff decided it probably wasn't a good idea for the president of Chick-fil-A to get out and pick up the trash and Mm -hmm. didn't want anything to happen to him. Um, So they started cleaning it. Jimmy's been retired for well over a decade, and um, they still clean that that exit ramp and he had that kind of influence and um but he influenced me by what he did even more than what he said and it and it's my pleasure you you see a lot of his um words in there and there have been many other leaders at chick-fil-a they've had um huge impact but i have to say the chick-fil-a operators um just dozens and dozens of dozens um the experience i have and i tell many of those stories and it's my pleasure the things that they do for people the the operator that had a, a single mom that worked for him uh, with four children, and she saw that he that she took a taxi to work every day, and he figured out how to buy her a car. Wow, um, you know, and I and the operator gave away meals in last winter when we had that big snow and ice storm in the south, and he took. I mean, he didn't he didn't go out and gouge people and offer them meals for an exorbitant price. He gave away thousands of meals to stranded motorists on the highway. Um, and when they, and they're my heroes, I mean, to do things and to find ways to surprise and delight and serve their fellow um, man and woman. That is what um, has influenced me.
1: I love that. It's about having that compelling culture. And I think the other thing that we didn't really touch on here, but it has to be about those stories, you know, and, and having a culture where those stories are known and they're and 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 they're they're lived in the breathe. i mean it go, i go back to the marine corps that's why the marine corps has been so successful is because they focus so much on the history and the culture of the organization and everybody feels a part you know even if you're a motor t guy working on you know you're not even in combat but you feel like you're part of that lineage you know from the get-go from day one like you're you're in this flow and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it seems like chick-fil-a is kind of has reached that point anyway, and it seems like that's what you guys are living. You know, you're part of something bigger than yourself is what, what you're you're telling everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Well the book is It's My Pleasure. We've talked about it, it came out November third. Um how's it going for you?
0: It's gone great. I, I'm so surprised. Um you know I, I again I wrote it more internally um than for any other reason and I'm and I'm quite honored and humbled that so many people have Uh, embraced it and are interested and have bought the book.
1: What uh, do you think some of my listeners could get away? Who's this for? If you would say um, who's this book ideally for do you think?
0: It's interesting. It's been a wide audience but it's certainly for anyone who's interested in in leading a strong culture within their organization or has responsible for selecting any talent. Um, But it's also um, another audience that I have found has been uh, college graduates that are out looking for a job oh, because they good, found yeah. some hints about what's important to an organization and what they might want to look for in an organization. I have a few professors that are actually using um, it as a textbook next semester. Um, so students have found some value in that too. So it's been a pretty broad audience. Even people who just have an interest in Chick-fil-A, um, have enjoyed it. If They're not in the workforce just because they know about Chick-fil-A and they love reading the stories um, that are included in there.
1: Well, Deanne, I'm excited to have you on this show. I I always love it when people believe um, that people are the most powerful commodity such as you and what Chick-fil-A and uh, you always have a welcome home here at Dose of Leadership. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about you or get in touch with you?
0: Great. They can go to D and Turner. that's D E E A N N turner.com. And that's my website and they can order the book there. They can also, um, the book is available right now. A lot of places, including of course, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble books, a million it's on Kindle and on iBooks. And it's soon going to be out on, on an audio format. So all of that's available. And, um, you can reach me directly at dnturnercom
1: I have links to all this. Deanne, again, what an honor and pleasure to have you on the show. I look forward to staying in touch with you. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thank you. It's really been enjoyable, Richard. I
2: appreciate it. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.